Leading Britain's Conversation. This is a podcast from LBC. James O'Brien. We have a little bit of business to attend to before Mystery Hour gets underway, but that shouldn't prevent you from booking your berth on the board. Booking your berth on the board. There you go, there's another slogan. Stick it on a T-shirt. And it'll sell by Christmas. If you have a question which is in desperate need of an answer, a question that will be interesting and enlightening to everybody else listening, not just a question relevant to you, like, where did I leave my keys? Then ring 0345 973 How long has that been the phone number, Axel, now? 0345 is the number that you need. If you hear somebody else ask a question to which you know the answer, uh, the number remains the same, and you run a very real risk of achieving a mystery hour round of applause, one of the highest accolades that British radio can afford. Uh, the very, very highest accolade that British radio can afford is, of course, a Ray Liotta, which you will receive if your qualifications for answering a question correctly are so unbelievably apposite that the rest of us can only sit there agog and admire your excellence. 03456060973. Is the number that you need. Um, before that, Theo Ashwood, our political editor, is here because Sajid Javid has made one of his early interventions as our new Home Secretary with specific reference to the debacle that saw his predecessor defenestrated, the Windrush scandal. There is going to be a new scheme, uh, the Windrush scheme, to enable uh, those caught up in the scandal uh, to apply for uh, British citizenship. Of course, they are already British, British citizens, free of charge. And that will come into force next Wednesday, May the 30th. Now, he's laying a statutory instrument uh, today. Usually, that's secondary legislation, by the way, that's rather than having to go through uh, the normal process. But he's speeding that up to break what is the 21-day rule, which would usually allow, uh, which is usually in place to make sure there's proper uh, proper oversight of any uh, new uh, piece of legislation coming into place. So that's now going to come in uh, from next Wednesday and it's going to include uh, anyone uh, from the Windrush generation, their children born in the UK or those who arrived in the UK as minors uh, and others who have been in the United Kingdom for a long period of time will be able to obtain the documents to confirm their status and in appropriate cases be able to obtain British citizenship free of charge. It will also uh, affect those uh, from the Commonwealth who arrived in the United Kingdom before 1973. Uh, and he also, in this statement, uh, written ministerial statement, there's a consternation on the Labour benches that he didn't bother to come to the House of Commons to uh, give it in person. Uh, he's also said uh, that the compensation scheme uh, has already received 100 uh, responses so far. How do people apply? Um, I will get the details and I'll tweet them to you, James. Splendid, and I shall retweet it accordingly because people listening will, of course, who have been affected will be interested to know how they... They just ring the hotline, presumably, in the first instance, and now then the, the, the work, the bureaucracy, is undertaken rather quicker than it currently is. Theo Ashwood, many thanks indeed. Uh, Sajid Javid, because they listen, you know. Well done. Uh, seven minutes after 12 of the time, Mystery Hour is under the way. I had something else to tell you as well. I've forgotten what it was, but you're all witching for Mystery Hour now, aren't you? you don't, what, was the, what was the... I had something on the tip of my tongue that was really interesting. Honestly. Charlie's in Nottingham. Charlie, question or answer? Hello, James. I've got a question for you. Carry on, Charlie. Um, I'd like to know what the furthest man-made object is away from us currently and how far away it is. Be that thing, wouldn't it? That thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah you know, the one and the thing thing. But what was the spaceship that got to Mars? Did it stay? Didn't it just carry on going into into the? Well, I don't know. I didn't know if we sent something before then, and it went further. No, nothing's ever got to Mars before, has it? So was it Voyager? And then it just oh, carries yeah. on in orbit, doesn't it? It's just not in orbit. It carries on on a trajectory to the ends of time and space, man. man. 
<laughs> you're not going to take my answer, are you? But I bet, I bet, I bet, I bet you a wagon wheel. I'm right. <laughs> I'll take you up on that. I might have got the name of the spacecraft wrong. It might have been Voyager Two, but I pretty, unless it burnt up on, oh, I don't know. Why am I even talking? Charlie's question is pretty straightforward. My answer is not helping. What is the furthest man-made object from Earth? So, so as you go out into space, what did we make that is furthest away? Charlie, lovely question. Why do you want to know? Just curiosity. Yeah, looking up at the stars, and I've often wondered whether we sent something a while ago that's just just going and going and going and going and going. It'd be quite nice, I don't know. Fantastic. Uh, eight minutes after 12 is the time. 03456060973 is the number. Uh, Abby is in Mayfair. Abby, question or answer? Hi, Abby. It's a, I'm sorry, hi, James. It's a question. Carry on. Um, so my question is basically, I don't know if you like, ever been on a train, maybe reading a book or reading a newspaper, and you just suddenly felt the urge to just look up and you just automatically turn to the one person out of, like, maybe 50 people in a carriage. Yes. Just look at you. Um, can you actually physically feel it when no. they look at you? Well, no, you can't, because it wouldn't be physically, would it? It'd be kind of s- s- psychically. There's a book. <laughs> Do you know, mate, you've just reminded me of a yeah. million years ago when I first came here. And the studio was in in a very different place. It's our third different iteration of studio. And I interviewed a bloke. God, my memory is... Why can't I remember stuff that my wife told me this morning that I've got to do before I get home? But I can remember someone I interviewed on my first ever shift on LBC about 13 or 14 years ago, Abby. Why is that, mate? I don't know. I don't know. Well, it's mystery hour. Come on. Someone else can answer a question for for, for something to do with hard and soft memory. Rupert Sheldrake. There's a bloke called Rupert Sheldrake who has written a book called The Sense of Being Stared At. Yeah. Well, you don't sound very impressed. No, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there's some sort of... There's a whole book about it, and you didn't know about the book. I told you about the book, and you went, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I have no recollection of that book. I have no idea. Well, I've just told you about it. <laughs> so I think... He thinks that there is some science behind it, but most other scientists think that there isn't. That's your answer, really. I'm sure there must be some sort of, like, nah. electromagnetic... No, radiation. don't be soft, mate. When it the skin, you just automatically... Uh, no, look. because all the other times you've looked up, right, and there hasn't been anyone looking at you, you don't register. Yeah. So you only register the times when you've looked up and someone has been looking at you. But it happens quite often, though. Well, right? yeah, it happens to me quite often, but we both know that's because we're extremely good-looking men. That is a really good answer. That's that a really is, good I think really. we'll take that round of applause right now. <laughs> Very close to giving myself a Ray Liotta. Ten minutes after 12 is the time. I'll leave the question on the board and <laughs> park that flippancy. Richard's in Sheffield. Richard, question or answer? It's a question. Carry on. All right, so um, if a person committed a crime and got arrested uh, by the police yeah. and refused to um, give their identity, what would, what would eventually happen to them? Would they go to court? Would they serve a prison sentence? Um, could they come back into the community without anyone ever knowing their identity? What are you planning, um, Richard? Just, if that's uh, your re- if that's your real name? No, yeah, yeah, absolutely <laughs> no. Um, no, I just kind of you know you, you you see these kind of TV programs and whatnot, and and you just think um, yeah, well, why don't the people just not give their identity? I think you could still be prosecuted as a sort of John Doe. I don't think you need to have. Yeah, I don't know actually. It's a it's a really lovely question actually. It's what, but, so you get you get nicked. You're guilty yeah. as the day is long. They ask you yeah. who you are. You've got no ID on you. I guess eventually yeah. you'd get reported missing or something, Richard, wouldn't you? Well, I don't know. I mean, oh come on, mate! Use your noodle. 
<laughs> yeah, but I mean, that's kind of a different question, isn't it? Well, um, I don't know if it is, I, because the, the answer might be. I don't, no one knows, because it's never actually happened. Anyone who's ever refused well, to give yeah, their... I mean, that's, sorry, that's, that's the second part of the question as well. Is there any um, uh, examples of this happening? In, well, you're, you're, in only allowed one, you're only allowed one question. You'll have to oh, ring no, in next yeah. week for the second one if we get an answer to the first yeah. one. But I like yeah. the first one. What happens if... You get arrested, you've got no ID on you, and you refuse to tell the old Bill who you are. I don't know what Richard's up to, but keep an eye on him, all right? For the rest of today, at least. 12 minutes after 12 is the time. Haval is in Norbury. Haval, question or answer? Good afternoon. I've got a question, please. Yes, of course. Um, when the bride is walked down the aisle by her father, she's always walking on the left-hand side. Yes. What is the significance of that? And when did it all start like that way? don't know actually i mean the husband's on the right but that's not an answer is it that's just a description so he so why anton deck always the same way around aren't they i don't know uh what what do you want to know philip and holly (laughs) (laughs) pop culture references just (laughs) coming thick and fast this afternoon why do you want to know well from the royal wedding we were watching with my wife and all of a sudden um, it came to my mind, and I said, oh, how come she is walking on the left-hand side and always walking on the left-hand side? Yeah, I like it. It'd be something to do with religion, I imagine, won't it? Or, or the patriarchy. So why do, well, why, I mean, to be honest, I, I, I watched the royal wedding as well, and I was surprisingly moved yeah. by it. That's why I had to start this week yeah. eating humble pie live on the radio. But the, the, some of the old-fashioned stuff, like why she couldn't be given away by her mum, whether it was because her mum didn't fancy it or it was tradition, it's really quite medieval, the notion of a father giving away his daughter to the groom. Yes. Yes. I hadn't really registered that before. It's the first time I've ever felt guilty about having a, a very slight irritation that Mrs. O'Brien is not known professionally as Mrs. O'Brien. A lot of her friends took their husband's name, and I always felt a bit jealous. But now I'm really kind of pleased because the idea that she takes my name, I never thought of it like this before. That's so outrageous. Uh, and yet I'm not in any way criticising people who have decided to do it. Have a lovely question. Why, why is the bride on the, on the left? Jane's in Ealing. Jane, question or answer? Question, please. Carry on, Jane. Um, well, I, I was having my eyes tested the other day. and I was yeah, So did I. Did you? Yeah. Did you do well? Uh, I, I got discharged. I've been having problems with my eyes for quite, with one eye for quite a long time. There's some hilarious photoshopping on, on Twitter done by the Box of Trolls with, with the eye infection that I once had. And, and I think it's all cleared up now. It's all, all good. Yeah, okay. Were you um, all right? Um, you don't care yeah. about my eye at all, do you? Just making polite conversation. So, um, yeah, I was looking at the letters, back to that. Yeah, and forget James and his eye and his trolls. They, I think they are different when you go to you know the letters the way they're set up, like you have a big one and then it gets smaller and smaller. I have presumed that they're identical to every optician's, but I don't think they are. No. And then so, what's your question? Are they? So it's like, are they all randomly completely different, or does it depend... You must mix them up a bit, otherwise you could learn it off by heart. It'd be like Donald Pleasance in The Great Escape. This is going to be completely ignored by Jane as well. Is is there any uh, logic to uh, the way... I I shall find out for you. I shall find out for you. Uh, How do they do the, the, the eye charts? Do they change them around a bit? Weekly? Daily? In between appointments? Or if I memorise them all, could I be like Donald Pleasance in The Great... That's a really good cultural reference. Donald Pleasance in The Great Escape pretending to be blind. Not to be blind. As he lost his sight. Because if they knew that he was losing his sight, he wouldn't be allowed to be part of The Great Escape. And he even... 
put a pin on the floor. God, I haven't watched that film for ages. He put a pin on the floor, didn't he? And knew exactly where it was. And when they came to challenge him that he was losing his sight, he was like, they'd be so ridiculous, I can see that pin over there by the side of the cell. And he went over and picked up the pin because he'd paced exactly where it was and picked it up. But they, I think they busted him anyway, but took him on the journey. Don't, don't, don't Pleasant used to live near me in Chiswick. I don't know quite what's happened to Mystery Hour this week. I, I seem to have turned it into a sort of curious mixture of memoir and anecdote. Normal service will be resumed after this. You're listening to a podcast of James O'Brien from LBC. Just reflecting on how quickly the world changes. Um, the, the admission, effectively, or not the admission, but the confirmation that that Malaysian passenger plane was shot down by the Russian army. That's just normal now. Uh, largely because the person that would ordinarily lead the condemnation of that kind of thing is the President of the United States of America. And in the United States of America, they have just made it compulsory for all American football players to stand up for the national anthem. I think at risk of punishment, the land of the free. I told you it would happen. Even I can't quite believe it's all happening this quickly. The land of the free. Yeah, unless you're an American football player, in which case you have to stand up. But maybe they'll get cattle prods. How will they do it? How will they ensure it? At least one owner has said he'll happily pay the fines on behalf of his players who want to exercise the most basic and fundamental of freedoms. But there you have it. It's never just one person, is it? This is the mistake we made when we looked at Nazism and things like that. You just presume there's one person who exercises such epic mind control or charisma over a population that he persuades otherwise decent people to do disgusting things. There are long, 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 long queues of people who are desperate to be able to do disgusting things. And sadly, two of them are now in charge of the two most powerful countries on the planet. One shooting down passenger planes with apparent impunity and the other presiding over a form of culture war that is now seen standing up for a national anthem rendered compulsory for professional sports people. Be school children next if it isn't already. 21 after 12 is the time. Back to mystery hour. Apologies for that digression. Alison is in Ripley. Alison, question or answer? James, I think I've got an answer for you. Oh, my days. Everyone sit down. Or I'm going to embarrass myself, one or the other. (laughs) Let's find out. (laughs) Um, It's regarding the father walking the uh, bride up the aisle. Yes. And I think this is historical due to keeping his sword arm free. As he walks his daughter up the aisle, he has to have his sword arm free should anybody object or leap out. And likewise, when the groom walks the bride back down the aisle, he likewise walks on the particular side, so he has his sword arm free. Qualifications? Uh, 20 years as a superintendent registrar marrying people. How many people have you married who were... Wearing swords. Thousands. <laughs> <laughs> oh, quite a few carrying swords, actually. Yeah, yeah. Military few people. Ceremonial, ceremonial yeah, yeah, swords. Absolutely. And this yeah, would yeah. be in case some local hooligan wanted to nick your daughter or your wife and you'd have to absolutely. fight to defend well, her honour. Absolutely. Not in Surrey, obviously. But no. yeah, sometimes. I, 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 think that, I, I, I think that sounds brilliant. I really like it. Don't uh, get round of I, I think it's about to. Um, do you want to hear the worst joke that's been sent to this programme in all the years that we've been doing it? Go on, then. This is from Dean Bell, who deserves a name check for such an appallingly Dean in Chislehurst. Mate, this is absolutely awful. He says, The reason why the bride is, <laughs> is on the left at the royal wedding is because, as it says in the song, you have to pass the Duchess upon the left hand oh. side. <laughs> Don't laugh! <laughs> Don't laugh! You'll encourage him! <laughs> 
It's actually very good, isn't it, Faz? The Dutch is on the left. (laughs) Well done, Dean. Dean wins. Round of applause for (laughs) Alison, please. Thank you, Dave. Lovely work. I love sword questions as well. It's something to do with with traffic on bridges as well. Ian is in Dartford. Ian, question or answer? All right, James. I've got a question for you. Yeah. Right. Why is it when you lose something... You can't stop yourself. But why are you laughing? Because I know what you're going to say. I know what you're going to say. Why? She already told you. No, I was doing it with my shoes this morning. It drives my wife up the wall. Go on. No, mate, I'm I'm the world's worst, mate. No, I am the world's worst. I'll fight you for this. No, no, no. (laughs) No, it's definitely me. Right, I'll work anyway, you all right? Hang on, we haven't actually got the question. No one else knows what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, it's right, right, okay. So why is it, right, you keep returning to the same place time and time again? No matter what you do, you just can't stop yourself. So you know, you, you, you can't find your shoes, you've had a look under the stairs, you go for a quick tool around the sitting room in case you left them under the sofa, and then for reasons that you are currently baffled by, you go and have another look under the stairs. Yeah, and it's a quality question. And then another look. Is it really a quality question here? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you... I didn't have a needle with you, like, not so long ago. Well, I don't want to hear about that, do I? No, 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 it's like, uh, you had a steward's inquiry, oh. and you were going yeah, to let me on, and you didn't. Well, I'm very sorry about that, but you're here now, so let's not spoil it. Yeah, no. <laughs> right, so what do you want, some sort of psychological explanation? Sorry? Some sort of psychological explanation, or something like that, a behavioural psychologist, or something like that. Well, I don't know. We all do it, though. No, we do. Why do we do it? I don't know. Habit? I shall find out. I'll find out if someone knows. I'm just pointing out there's a possibility nobody will. So what are we looking for? Why do we always go back to the same place when we've lost something, even though we've already looked there? What is the furthest away man-made object from Earth? Um, Is there any science behind the sense of being stared at? Bride, we've done opticians charts are they always the same and if not how do they change them and i've written down identity why have i written down identity if you if you get arrested and you don't tell the police who you are and they can't find out what happens all of those are good danny is in manchester danny question or answer here's an answer for you james carry on danny uh the furthest man-made object yes voyager one is that what it was yes it- it left the solar system and moved into interstellar space in 2012. Interstellar space. They're staying on a Manchester theme. Ian Brown sang about something similar to interstellar. I've forgotten what it was. Anyway, I'm digressing too much Saturn this hour. Five. What? It, say again? Saturn five was it? Oh, hey. no, that was, that was that the spiral carpet? I oh, can't remember. No, no, we're, we're in this. We're in the right park. What <laughs> are your qualifications, Danny? I actually used to work at Jodrell Bank in no. Cheshire when it when it left. What, what did you do there? It was just a boring job. I was an electrician. Well, there's nothing boring about being an electrician. So you were working at Jodrell Bank when Voyager 1 left the solar system and went into interstellar space? Yes. And when you say electrician, were you fixing plugs or were you involved with telescopes? Oh, no, it was just fixing plugs and light bulbs. Oh, mate, you're talking, it's just the Manchester way, isn't it? You never meet many Mancunian show-offs, I've found over the years. You're, you're, you're always quite self-effacing. Seriously, if you lived in Chiswick, mate, you would have been Jodrell. You'd have said, I invented the telescope. It was my daily job to polish it. I, I can't give you a Ray Liotta, but I can very much give you a round oh. of applause. You can't get a Ray Liotta for fixing plugs. Uh, was Jodrell Bank, though? Oh, no, you've done it now, Danny. Next time, mate, big yourself up a bit, all right? Right, will do. We'll see how we get on. Sid is in Brighton. Sid, question or answer? Question, please, James. Carry from on. My du- 
From our daughter, Samantha. Hello, Samantha. Uh, How old is she? 37, James. Uh, 20, 20. She's 20. Oh, is she really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So you can blame her. Go on, then. <laughs> it's a quite straightforward one. Why do you never see any baby pigeons around? Yes. Now, if, if you had told Beth that your daughter was 20, she would not have put you through. She's put you through because she presumed that this was I a child. I told her. Did you? I did, yes. Yeah. Beth is passing the buck, passing the buck to Ava. It's not pretty. Not pretty to see do, this. Why do you not see baby pigeons around? Yeah, but it's not allowed on Mischief because it's like asking why there isn't any white dog poo on the street. It's like one of the most obvious questions of all time. All right, well, what's the answer then? They're all in the nest. And they don't fly out of the nest until they look like grown up pigeons. Uh, okay. I'll buy that then. Thank you very I'll much. <laughs> is she there yeah. now? No, no, she's not here. She's at work now. Why didn't she ring in herself? Because she's at work. Yeah, she can ring from work. She can do, but she's uh, busy. She's given Sid the job. Sid, I'm going to take the round of applause. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Sid. 28 after 12. Probably made a fool of myself on that. Peter is in thirst. Twice in one week, Peter. People will start talking. Yeah, it was last Friday, wasn't it? Oh, was it? In oh, you're fact, all right, then. Twice in, twice in two weeks, I've had an answer. Last week, I had to hang up. What is it? <laughs> right, the answer in this case, and I have no doubt that people's opinions will differ, but I served in three forces, inspected a lot more. Now stick that the, in your pipe the, and smoke it. Yeah. The... If somebody came, and it happens remarkably frequently, somebody comes in in front, in front of the custody sergeant and they refuse to give their name, they go on all the documentation as name and address refused. And the system just keeps rolling on. Most of them will be drunk, perhaps drugged, yep. something like that. Sometimes organised criminals, particularly in cases of terrorism, but... The, the fact of the matter is the system keeps going on. DNA swipes taken, the uh, solicitor is called, and so on. And it would be not at all unusual to come onto duty as a custody sergeant and see on the whiteboard, name and address rest refused, cell 5. So you just carry on, and, and you've probably not yeah. personally ever come across a case where after they sobered up and after reality dawned, they deliberately and consciously refused to give yeah. up their identification, and nobody came forward to report them missing. Look at the context, James. People are arrested. They've got stuff in their pockets. Yeah. They may be in a car which has got a number yeah. plate on the front and the back. Yeah, but it's I know, I know, you're not to have an identity. I know it is. You're being all practical, which kind of goes with the uniform. But I'm being theoretical. My apologies. I know I'm theoretical and philosophical. You see, I am not practical. I am theoretical and philosophical. And theoretically, what would happen? Do you know, if if I got arrested and you couldn't work out who I was and no one came forward, I'd just get processed without a name, wouldn't I? I'd still end up in yeah. prison. I'd just be known as, you know. Mr. No Name. That bloke who won't give his name. <laughs> Is that hyphenated? <laughs> <laughs> Round of applause for Peter. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. You're listening to a podcast of James O'Brien from LBC. We have several questions still in need of answers. Someone's just sent me some pictures of baby pigeons that they took from their balcony, but I've got to tell you, Richard, if you're planning a career as a photographer, change your plans now. Seriously, <laughs> barely make out what it is. Um... The question about Voyager has been challenged, but I'm not taking radio waves as a man-made object, OK? They're a man-made phenomenon. 
But they're not a man-made object. No, so, no, we're staying with the answer that Danny gave, Voyager 1. Um, and although Sister Ray, my, my, my punk rocker mates, Sister Ray, have been in touch to remind me that it was indeed Stellify was the song by Ian Brown that I was thinking of. Um, other questions that still need answers. Is there any psychological explanation for the sense of being stared at? Do opticians' charts change? Uh, the identity question has been done. And when you lose stuff, why do you always go back and look in the same place? We need a few more questions, actually. Let's go to Pete in Woking. Pete, question or answer? Hi, James. It's a question. Carry on, mate. Right. It's uh, one for my daughter, actually. Oh. Um, how old is she? Dinosaurs. How? She's, uh, she's four years old. <laughs> That's how it works, Sid. Yeah. You see, she's not <laughs> supposed to be 20. Honestly, God, what's, what's the question? Right. Um, well, she calls them long necks oh. from uh, what, what's it called? The the cartoon dinosaurs. Yes. Land before time. Um, oh, and yes. there's three different types: uh, Brachiosaurus, Brontosaurus, and Diplodocus. Diplodocus. Now I'm wondering: Are they the same dinosaurs, or are they different, or is it you know are they named differently from region or something like that? Well, they're just three different species of of dinosaur. Are you sure? Yeah, absolutely positive. But they all look the same. They're well, that's, like, that, I mean, you're talking about an animated television programme. No, they're, they're real dinosaurs. Well, they're definitely not real dinosaurs. Not, not the ones in the cartoon, but the ones that are now... They don't, they don't look the same. Dinosaurs. They don't look the same at all. I think one's got, like, a bump on his head. Well, there you go. What's the difference between an Alsatian and a Labrador? Well, yeah, OK. So they're just dogs, right? But they're different yeah, types they, of dogs. They look very much identical. But they, 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 I mean, so does you know, a horse looks like a cow. Well, not really. Yeah, it does. It's just colouring that's different, and you don't know what colours dinosaurs were. Mm. I, still, I still think you should stay up on the board. Well, I, I mean, I'm tempted to argue with you, because I haven't really had any arguments yet today, and if I don't get an argument, it's a bit like missing breakfast. Yeah. You, you, I mean, hocus-pocus, I'm a diplodocus. Brontosaurus... Yeah. Brachiosaurus, if they were all the same thing, Pete, why would they have given them three different names? Yeah, well, that's what I mean. It could be a regional thing. Like, it could be, like, Americans call them Diplodocus. Or oh, something. I see. I mean, I called them Diplodocus when I was younger. Yeah, no, they're not. That's they're definitely not. That's definitely... No, they're, 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 I mean, it's a name that was... You're going back to usually the late 19th century to give dinosaurs their name, and it, 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 it's internationally recognised scientific nomenclature. See, this is what Jacob Rees-Mogg does. You've got no idea what I just said, have you? No. See? But, you, but I sounded clever, didn't I? Yeah. And I was talking gibberish, mate. Yeah. I mean, it means something, internationally recognised scientific nomenclature. I've got no idea whether that's true or not, but you chuck in a word like nomenclature, ideally a little bit of Latin, and doff cap, type four lot. I just uh, nod my head. Vote yeah, Rees-Mogg. No, so your brachiosaurus, your brachiosaurus is, has got a thicker neck, your diplodocus has got a thinner neck, and your brontosaurus is a different kettle of fish altogether. Right. Are you so, making this up? No, I'm not. Why would I make it up? <laughs> I might be breaking the mother of all mystery rules and looking it up, but I wouldn't. Uh, you'd, no, you'd never be able to prove that. You'd never be able to prove that. I'd deny it all. In fact, I wouldn't even give the police my name. Uh, yeah, well, I brought this up with the, uh, with the missus yesterday, and she said to me, she goes, well, just look it up. Yeah. And I was like, I was like no, this is... No, don't look it up. OK, so I, I can't take the round of applause on this, even though I'm 99.9% sure I'm right. The, the three different species of dinosaurs, if you would, um, are distinct and different 
whatever the word is, even if species is the right word, but someone who's got better qualifications than me will ring in and confirm that I'm right, and I will now have to give them, because you're such a hard man to please, I will have to give them the round of applause. Well, it's not me, it's, it's my daughter, you see. Fair enough. Know. What's her name? <laughs> Evelyn. Well, tell Evelyn, well, hopefully, we've only got time. I should stop waffling, actually, and try and get Evelyn an answer. Pete, mind how you go? All right, man. Cheers. Cheers. Abbas is in Harrow. Question or answer, Abbas? It's an answer. Which one? The optician's one. Oh, good, I like this one. So, um, there are different types of charts from different manufacturers. Um, depending on how old the chart is, um, it can be randomised and it also can be fixed. So, some practices will have a fixed chart. They tend to be very old-fashioned charts. And the newer charts, which are computer screens, have got remotes where you can actually randomise the letters. How often do you do that? Um... Pretty often during each eye exam, I'm an optometrist, so um, do this day in, day out. Um, yeah. And, and, yeah, and with the old fixed ones, do you swap them round, or does the same one stay up for ages? It depends on... Uh, some of them are fixed, and you can't change them. Some of them have rotating drums. It's effectively... The old ones are a light box with a chart, and you can they have little rotating drums, but you can see them slowly rotating. Um, so they're not very effective. Uh, most optometrists with a fixed chart would just leave it, leave it fixed. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, because yeah, I was in the hospital on, and I should say thank you to everyone at the Western Eye Hospital. Incredible yeah. service from the NHS. But I, yeah. I was there the other day, and, I, and I'd forgotten my glasses, and I was doing the eye test, and you get weird when you might not know this because you're always on the other side of the green bay's door, but you get weird because it's a test. I'm quite competitive. I thought, well, I might cheat. So that, yeah. I, I covered one eye, and, and I've got one eye that's a bit better than the other eye. I covered one eye and did the fourth line down. Um, yeah. And then I put my bad eye on, and I couldn't read the fourth line down, but I thought I might be able to remember it. So that's why you should change it more. Yeah, it's that's why the new charts often do just change automatically. So you get it like that. So the answer is yes and yeah. no. Yes and no, depending on the chart on and how old it is. Abbas, this is for you. Thank you. No, thank you. Kevin is in Camberley. Kevin, question or answer? Last question, James. Carry on, Kevin. Um, why do all the moons not rotate, whereas the planets do? Because they're moons. You, you just defined a moon. Really? Yes. If, I mean, if it rotated, it would become a planet. Well, hang on, the moon is a planet. But exactly. Well, you just said and, and the moons don't do it and the planets do. But, but reference to the sun... Yeah. Who's moving, who's moving where? It's not a planet, who's it's a star. Moving? How, how, how are we going to get out of this, well, what, Kev? What, stop, well, what stops them moving? What's, Gravity, what? presumably. I'm, I don't know. I don't know either. I don't even understand the question, and I'm trying to answer it. That's the definition of arrogance. Yeah, well, that's the problem, Kev. <laughs> I know! <laughs> I know! But look, self-awareness is the first step to self-improvement, Kevin, so give me a break. Fair enough. <laughs> so, to get it clear, moons don't... What? Moons don't rotate, as it do. Why? Okay, I, if you if the premises of your question are wrong, I'm going to bar you for 24 hours. Okay, because I, I mean planets do, but moons a planet. Go on then, let's find out. Anyone who understood that question, ring in now and answer it. Oh three four five six oh six oh nine seven three. I've got very messy notes today. I must apologise. I know you can't see them, but it, it means I'm probably going to miss some. Why have I written down Charlie? Anyone know why I've written down Charlie? So was there a questioner called Charlie? 
Hmm. Voyager, Interstellar, we've done that. The opticians, we've done the opticians. Sense of being stared at, thing in space. Lost stuff and the sense of being stared at are very similar in a way. One questioner wants to know why we go back to the places we've already looked when we're looking for something we've lost. Another questioner wants to know whether or not there's any psychological or scientific explanation for the belief or the, or the uh, sense that someone is staring at you. Uh, the dinosaurs, I'm hearing that I may have made a fool of myself um, by distinguishing all three of those examples. It may be that there were only two different dinosaurs, but we need to find out for Evelyn. So Brachiosaurus, Brontosaurus, Diplodocus, or Diplodocus, if you are a Latin scholar. Um, give me a ring now. Tell me what the differences are or are not between those three. And why don't moons rotate? There you go. As they make their orbits around other planets. 12.43 is the time. Alex is in Birmingham. Whereabouts in Birmingham, Alex? Uh, I'm in Kings Norton, James. Good man. Question or answer? Uh, I've got a question, please. Bring it on. Um, I was at a uh, carvery on Sunday, and after I'd loaded up my plate with my meat and my veg, I went over to the um, counter mm. with, the, uh, with the gravy. Got the ladle, you know, ready to spoon yeah, on yeah. plenty of gravy, and um, I'd noticed that on uh, a couple of the sort of um, saucepans of, uh, of gravy, a skin had formed on the top, and this yes. obviously happens with, you know, custard soup, things like that. And I would like to know, why does a skin form on the top of certain liquid food items? Is it gelatine? I, I don't know. Is it? I think it might be. But then where, where, would there be custard? Would there be gelatine in custard? You make an egg custard. Does it get a skin on the top? Or is it just when you make it out of powder? Mm, could uh, be. Have you ever I mean, made your own custard? From... Why, why would gelatine be in gravy? Because it comes out of meat bones. There's gelatine in there's gelatine in bones. That's because they can't eat sweets. See, my I've got a vegetarian at home, and um, the reason I knew that she wasn't just going through a phase and she didn't, you know, and she really meant it was when she started turning down Haribo's because they had gelatine in them, mm. and that's like a thickener, isn't it? You put gelatine in stuff to thicken it up, and then if it cools down and it starts solidifying, I mean, I've, I've made gravy from scratch though, and that doesn't have gelatine in. And well, hang on, it probably does. Mm. If, you've, if you've made it from meat, it will have gelatine in it. You said it comes from the bones, though, no? Yeah. But if you've made gravy from scratch, then you've, you've used your juices from your roast to make it, no? No, I mean, I'd, I'd, I've made it from, you know, from uh, sausages, you know, juices from sausages. Oh, yeah? With, you know, and it's still got a skin on the top. Yeah, a bit of mushroom. Yeah, and, you, and it still kind of develops skin. Could be fat. You shouldn't really trust me when I say things like it comes from bones. Yeah. Because I could have just made yeah. that up without realising it. I like this question a lot. I'm just trying to work out whether the answer will be the same for the gravy and the custard. Do you uh, see... Yeah, it, could, it, could, it could be completely different. That's I, exactly I, I'm right. Not sure. That's the yeah. variety of mystery. Have I ever told you, Alex, about the jugs of custard that they used to serve up at my boarding school? <laughs> no, go on. Well, they were shaped like an old-fashioned jug, so they'd have quite a narrow neck and quite, mm. uh, quite um, a fat bottom, if you pardon the expression. <laughs> And this custard was so vile, the amount of money my parents sent to send me to that school, the custard was so vile and, and thick that you could hold the jug upside down and, and, and pass it. It was a game at my school, and we didn't play it every day, but to the best of my memory, no one ever lost. You could pass the jug to the lad sitting next to you, and he'd pass it to the, pass the custard, it was probably called, and with an upside-down custard jug, with custard so thick that it never fell out. That's remarkable custard, James. <laughs> when I was in school in, um, in, in Sheffield on, in, in winter, they would give us um, 
cups of gravy if it was left over to take out into the playground on on, on especially cold days. Oh, I like that. So we'd, we'd, we'd have that as a um, a little winter treat, as a warming actually. snack. As a, I tell yeah. you what, I'm going to see your I'm going to see your gravy. I'm going to raise you. We once got served eggs for breakfast because I was at a boarding school, and they were absolutely rank. So no one ate them. They all got scraped back into the thing. Then we had a school trip later that day. Guess what was in our sandwiches? Oh, God. Oh, I know. And my parents were paying for that, Alex. Paying money, hard-earned cash. You're listening to a podcast of James O'Brien from LBC. Questions still need answering. Two psychological ones. Why, why, why do we always look in places we've already looked when we've lost stuff? And why do we get a sense that people are looking at us and then when we look up, it turns out they are? Is that even true, that observation? What causes skin to form on custard and gravy? And why don't moons rotate? Um, moons, of course, are not planets, although there was no need to call me a moron while pointing that out, incorrigible FCA. Jeff is in Ealing. Jeff, question or answer? Uh, answer. Carry on, Jeff. Uh, the moon does rotate. Oh, controversial. I can't tell you whether or not all moons, moons rotate, but uh, our moon does. Yes. The reason why it doesn't appear to is that it rotates on its axis at roughly the same duration that it takes to go around the planet mm. so it looks to people on the earth that it doesn't move when it does now i visited johnson space center in uh, houston maybe 10 years ago cool uh, and any problems no all fine all fine <laughs> I, yeah they, they passed the test um the uh, the um yeah, I, we, they were talking about because obviously the Apollo, one of the Apollo rockets, is there. So yes. they, uh, they happened to say that uh, that they were talking about the moon, and you wouldn't know what the dark side of the moon looked like if it didn't, if it wasn't visible from Earth at some point, because you obviously you can map the Earth. You, sorry, you can map the moon, can't yeah, you? Yeah, got you. Yeah. yeah, of course. Yeah, you're right. Oh, yeah. Tidal, tidal locking. Tidal locking. They called it like synchronous rotation or something, or synchronized rotation. So it's about 27 days. To orbit the Earth in about the same period of time to rotate on its axis. What is tidal locking? Someone clever said that the answer would have to involve the words tidal locking. I have absolutely no idea because the guy I asked was the guy with the NASA credentials, not me. You know, you're just playing the NASA card and not taking any prisoners, aren't you? <laughs> I asked, so qualifications, I asked someone at NASA, mate. What are you going to do? That's basically it. What That's are you going to do? Argue it, with yeah. me? You've forgotten who you're talking to, Jeff. Yeah, <laughs> give him a round of applause. Well played. I will accept, with seven minutes of the programme left, if you can insert a tidal locking into Jeff's answer, I might accept it. Nicholas is in Newbury. Question or answer, Nicholas? Uh, answer. Um, it's the one with the sensing of being um, looked at. Oh, yes. OK. Um, there's, there's an experiment called the double slit experiment. and The um, double what, what, what? The double slit, slit experiment. And um, it's, it, it, it concludes that all matter... Um, reacts differently when it's been observed to when it's not been observed. Nah. Yes. Nah. And um, so it depends um, if someone's really sensitive. Uh, the, so the, uh, if some, you know, uh, you know, maybe they can feel it. I don't know. But it, it, it's so uh, that's it, the theory is that is observation would cause some I'm, small disruption in the matter that you might detect subconsciously and look up and then someone's staring at you. I, I, it's a leap. Uh, because uh, I know of the double, double slit experiment, so I, I've, I've had no confirmation of this, so maybe I'm barking up the wrong street, tree, a tree, but yes, all matter reacts differently when being observed to when it's not, not observed, 
and so therefore if someone's really sensitive maybe they can pick it up so that's that that's the theory it's unproven but it's out there that's my theory that's really strong actually what are your qualifications uh, I like science. Have you read The Sense of Being Stared At by Rupert? I should have checked, actually, in one of the breaks. I may have um, read I, I like listening to Rupert, Rupert Sheldrake, um, but no, I haven't, no. OK. Well, I'm pretty sure he... Uh, is that the kind of thing he'd do? Yes, yes. He'd done something with the Nolan sisters, so it's very similar. He did so, something with the Nolan sisters? Yeah, uh, that's, yeah, so, by aggressing, yeah. But, what? Um, yeah, he, he does... Um, the he Nolan does, sisters? Yes, uh, he done, like, a... He had got all together, put one of them in a separate hotel in a different room, and they were calling that the younger sister, I think, and she had to be... She would uh, tell... Before she picked up the phone, she'd say who called her before... Oh, so I see. Yeah, OK. Looking for some sort of psychic business. Yeah, he does um, uh, science off the beaten track, so to speak, doesn't he? He, He's... um, Or not science, as some would argue, more like sort of parapsychology or something like that. It's enough to earn you a round of applause. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. 12.54 is the time. Professor Hallett here, the Professor of the Understanding of Science, Public Understanding of Science at the University of Brighton. I was looking at your Twitter the other day, or today. Have you just taken some law exams as well? Yes, I have. What are you now, then? No, I haven't done my finals. That's first year. I did contract law and public law. Why? um, Just to to keep my eye in. So I remember what it's like to be a student. I do a degree every five or seven Uh, years. And that helps you with your pastoral care of the students that you look after? Well, it just, I'm getting older and older, and they're staying the same age, so it just helps me remind me... So how many me degrees have you got now? Uh, this is number five. Your fifth degree? Yes. There's only three in the band. Question anyway, or answer, Hal? Um, I'd like to have a look at the, um, the, the gravy skin. Carry on. I've just realised that if he was... A couple of people have pointed out that if he was in King's Norton, he would have been at the Toby Carvery, but that's probably a bit niche. Carry on, Professor Hal. Um, there's, there's two effects going on. Do you want to hear them both? Please. Okay. So there's a class of um, mixtures called colloids, which are when you have two different phases mixed together, but they don't dissolve. So smoke, clouds, mists are liquid gas colloids. They're little bits of liquid suspended in the gas that we call air. Ah. And there's a subset called emulsions. So emulsion paint, custard, milk, gravy, they've got little droplets of fat suspended in water that never actually settle out. And if you heat them up, some of the water near the top evaporates, making the top fattier, which contributes to the skin, which is then um, backed up by the fact that when you heat up proteins, they denature, they change their properties, and they become insoluble. It's a bit like when you put... um, There's a very grave danger that I'm going to fall asleep, Hal. Can you just inject a little bit more excitement into your voice? This is very exciting. That's, but this is, I want to hear your peak lecturing voice when you've got young students who you're trying to turn on to a life of science. Yeah, I, I, come on. I lost um, you at colloids, mate. <laughs> if, if you heat the milk up, if you heat the milk up, the protein denatures and it becomes a solid and it rises to the top. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I get it. And, and gravy? Um, there's protein in the meat. There's blood and there's um, proteins. They become insoluble. They rise to the top and they make the gravy have a little coating on the top of it. Oh, my goodness. Right the applause. Applause. I see. There you go. Five degrees. Just a little bit of enthusiasm, mate. Gareth's in Birmingham. Gareth, question or answer? Uh, it's an answer to the dinosaur question. Carry on. OK, well, they are species of sauropods, which is a subset of herbivores, mm. and they are dinosaurs. Um, they are different. All three of them? Yeah. Are you sure? But, I mean, I would, you would say that a brontosaur and a brachiosaur are, are, are basically the same because they're tall yes. rather than long. 
And the Diplodocus um, is long. Yeah. What do you say, Diplodocus or Diplodocus or Diplodocus? I, 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 I say Diplodocus when I'm trying to be contrary, but I say Diplodocus when I'm singing Hocus Pocus, I'm a Diplodocus. But in recent years... <laughs> In recent years, that song has been removed from my repertoire by the fact that my children now listen to Taylor Swift and ABBA. Um, Thanks so for asking, what though. <laughs> what I'd say is that uh, asking if, if, a bra- if a brachiosaur is the same as a diplodocus is like saying that asking is, you know, uh, so rodents are a subset of mammals. Yes. And is a rat the same as a hamster? Yes. But but a brachiosaur um, and a brontosaur, you could that would be like asking: Is a black rat the same as a white rat? Yeah, or like different species of dog or something. Qualifications? Uh, I'm a I'm a true dinosaur obsessed geek. Just hobby though, um, not 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 professionally. Uh, no, I'm a musician professionally. A musician with a paleontology yeah. sideline. Yeah, well, I'm just obsessed with dinosaurs and dragons. So, I mean, it's, it's incredibly ironic, then, that I shared my dinosaur-related song with you as a dinosaur-loving musician. Have you... Uh, oh, your kids are too old. There was, a, there was an early learning tape uh, that was green that they did. There's a Facebook group um, about this, uh, which has loads of scientific information crammed into songs. Oh. Um, and, well, don't worry, there are other children any, in the world. They, you can bring you it can to their attention. On, I think you can find it on YouTube. So, uh, for any, any kids who, if any parents have got kids who are obsessed with dinosaurs, look up the green early learning dinosaur tape. Today. There you go. Gareth, round of applause. And we're already late, so Richard, I'm afraid your challenge to the question about being stared at will not be heard today, and uh, a few others as well that we're not going to have time for. Good work there, everybody. Well done. Give yourselves a pat on the back uh, and knock the skin off your gravy. Sheila Fogarty is here. <laughs> Enjoyed this podcast, hear James O'Brien live every weekday morning from 10, only on LBC.